Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Lightning fans, you found the right show for everything you need to know about your favorite team in the NHL. It's the Lightning Insider Podcast with Eric Erlinson. Get ready for insight, historical perspective, interviews, and breaking news that comes from a reporter insider who's got near 20 years on the Tampa Bay Lightning beat. Now for the latest with the Lightning, here's Eric. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the LightningInsider.com podcast. I am Eric Rowlinson from LightningInsider.com, and I'm joined again by Greg Linelli from Lightning Power Play, as well as Power Lunch. You can hear noon Monday through Friday on Lightning Power Play on the iHeart Radio Network, and we're coming to you after Tampa Bay's one to nothing overtime loss against the Carolina Hurricanes. Felt like it had been months since this team had played. Uh, only four games in the first 15 days because of a couple of COVID situations, uh, including the Carolina Hurricanes. Only one of the games against Carolina was postponed. So this was the second game against Carolina. A, a tough, hard-fought, really fast-paced game against Carolina. Uh, came out on the wrong end in an overtime situation. Um, and we'll get into some of the things that went into that. And uh, with that right now, I will bring in Greg Linelli. And uh, Greg, how are you? I'm doing very well, E. A tough game. And let me just check here. I think Carolina still has the puck even <laughs> during this recording in overtime. And uh, I know we're going to get into a lot of that. A really good game when you consider both teams had extended periods of time off. You know, you weren't too sure what we would see, you know, a sloppy game maybe and a real choppy game. But I thought for the most part, some really good scoring opportunities. From both ends, the goaltending was outstanding, and sometimes you just have to say the goaltending, you know, stole this one. On both sides. You could say yeah. that on both sides. I mean, you can sure. make an argument that Tampa Bay stole a point from Carolina, and you can make an argument that Carolina stole the game from Tampa Bay because both teams had some great, great A chances, and the goalies were sharp, especially Vasilevsky in the third period, Mrazek in the second period. Uh, but I thought it was. I thought it was a good game. I think this is something that, um, you know, Carolina is probably the stiffest competition Tampa Bay is going to have in this division uh, throughout this shortened season. Uh, you're going to get seven more matchups against that team, and those should be a lot of fun if tonight was uh, any indication. Uh, but let's get into the biggest topic coming out of the game, and that was the overtime. Because the Lightning lost the opening faceoff to start overtime, never saw the puck. Martin Neckis um, wins the game. Uh, puck possession is so key in overtime, and the biggest question a lot of people have coming out of that game is you have Tyler Johnson, Andre Palat, and Victor Hedman to start the overtime. Compare that to the overtime game in Columbus the other night where it was Anthony Sorelli, Andre Palat, and Victor Hedman that started the overtime. So a little controversy in who went over the boards first. You know, uh, John Cooper's won a Stanley Cup. It's hard to question what he has accomplished as a head coach. There's no doubt about it. That being said, we probably will a little bit here. You know, for me, I'd like to set the tone with my best players. And in overtime, especially in that environment, Braden points my best player. And we can talk about who he can play with. 
but the guy's so dynamic with the puck and he has so much speed with that type of ice available as a head coach. It's hard for me to go into that situation without starting him uh, in the overtime who you want him to play with. That's open for debate. We can have that conversation right now if you want to. I think Braden Point should start the OT every single time. That's just because I, I know he's such a game breaker. And if he does lose the faceoff, I'd like what he can bring defensively uh, in open ice as well. But that's that's where I am with it. And I, I know we have uh, you have some thoughts as to why we saw the combination we did in that game against Carolina. But I'd be curious to get your take on who you would start right off the bat. Well, first of all, I don't have the research. I wish I did. It would take a little bit of time to look this up to see in the last number of years what John Cooper's history is of who he starts in overtime. A lot of it, a lot of the time it's Anthony Sorelli. A lot of time it's Braden Point. Tonight it was Tyler Johnson. And I, I'm I'm with you. I, I want to see either Point or Sorelli start the overtime. They're your top two centers. They're the guys that uh, you know usually tend to uh, drive their lines a, a little bit. Uh, and then three on three, you know, if you want to go off of faceoffs, you could throw Steven Stamkos out there. He was, he was 64% sure. yeah. going into the overtime, you know, and look, Tyler Johnson, uh, I think he was perfect going into uh, the OT um, before he was sent out there for it. Um, but in my mind, I, I, and look, John Cooper, I don't want to say he dodged the question, but he didn't want to give us too much insight into the reason for who he picks in overtime. And I, you know, I asked him in the general terms, what goes into your thought process? And his answer was, you know, it depends on how tired people are. It depends on who's taking the opening face off. And then he basically said it didn't work out tonight. My theory is he needs to get Tyler Johnson going. He needs to give Tyler Johnson some confidence. He looks like a guy who just doesn't have any confidence. I saw it in the first two games against Chicago at home. He just couldn't handle the puck. He just didn't know, didn't seem to know what to do with the puck when it was on a stick in a scoring area. He, I think he's trying to find ways to get Tyler Johnson going. And I think that went into the decision to get him out there tonight, maybe give him some open ice, some opportunities to work uh, with the puck. Problem is he never touched it because Carolina won the opening draw and a minute later, the game's over. So um, it, interesting, the decisions that he goes into, but I, I I'm firmly believe that that's why Tyler Johnson was sent out there for the start of this overtime. It's a fair point. I mean, he's got one assist so far uh, in this young season, and we understand what he's endured the last, you know, five, six months with the lighting, basically putting him on waivers a couple of times. E, and I think he understands this is probably his last year, whether he finishes it, or whether he gets traded at the deadline with the Tampa Bay Lightning. And this is a guy that's uh, not too far removed from scoring, what, 29 goals in 2018 yep. and 2019. I, I think there's a legitimate question that needs to be asked when it comes to Tyler Johnson. And I keep going back to, I, I think it's it was Chief who said it, and I want to give proper credit. And if it wasn't him, then give him credit anyways. <laughs> but, you know, the Tyler Johnson's a much better centerman than he is a winger. And I know he's playing more minutes as a winger, not his natural position on the second line than he would be maybe playing on a fourth line and being the centerman there. But I'm wondering at what point does John Cooper look at this and say, all right, you know, I've tried different ways to get him going by playing him with other players as a wing. But at what point do we sit there and say, look, his natural position is center. 
And if it's sacrificing a couple of more minutes per game by doing that to get him to feel more comfortable and be more productive ultimately, is that something they should do? Because I, I think getting Johnson going and getting that depth scoring will be key as they head into the stretch run here in terms of playing a ton of games and, and heading into the playoffs. But I think they may need to be a little bit more proactive and a little more flexible switching positions again with him to make that happen. I agree. I think it's something you have to start thinking about because this is not just the first five games of the season situation. This was a situation last year where his offensive numbers took a gigantic dip. Uh, he wasn't as big of a factor in the playoffs. Scored a couple of timely goals as you know, a guy with his playoff pedigree tends to do. Uh, but the chances haven't been there. The opportunities haven't been there. He just doesn't look like he's the same player playing on the wing. But I'll say this too, because you know we had talked about it in the last uh, episode. You know, do you try Tyler Johnson a fourth line center? Based on what I saw from Matthew Joseph tonight, <laughs> I don't know if I'm willing to break up that line because I thought Matthew Joseph was dynamic at that center position. He had a couple of really good plays. He was in good defensive position. He utilized his speed. I think Brian Engblom said it best is that the idea of putting Matthew Joseph in the middle is to utilize his speed. And I think we saw that on full display tonight. So now, now what do you do now? Now, if that was, if you were thinking that at some point after what you saw from the line of Joseph Volkov and Maroon tonight, I don't know if you can entertain that right now. Yeah. And I think the thing about that fourth line, as good as it looked and it did generate some scoring opportunities and it was good to see them really tilt the ice. You still have a couple of guys on that line who are unknowns in terms of getting consistent performances night in night out meaning Joseph and Volkov, Volkov more so than Joseph. And I think those are question marks. I think, to be fair, those are legitimate question marks that, listen, if you want to use the rest of the season to figure that out and to answer those questions, that's fine. I think Mitchell Stevens is probably going to have a say in that at some point just because of what he did last year. And I think the coaching staff really likes what he can do. So I don't know if that fourth line is going to be set in stone. I'm intrigued with Joseph at the center positioning. But this is a guy that was up and down a little bit last year. I think he is somewhat of a different player this year, but he needs to prove it as well. Yep. And so I think I'm willing to give that core, those three guys, some time together to see what they can do. But now you get into this question of, is Tyler Johnson out of position? And if he's out of position and not helping you, do you start tinkering with other lines to get him going? You know, Dave Michigan and I were talking a bit about this on Thursday on Power Lunch when it came to Johnson. And we saw to get that fourth line going before we saw Joseph tonight was, you know, is Yanni Gord somebody you would move to the fourth line because he had some success with Pat Maroon. Remember the, the trip mm -hmm. out to Sweden, that line was put together and they did some really good things. But then again, you've got Gord who's got some pretty decent chemistry with Coleman and Goodrow. I, I guess the question is he, how married is John Cooper to these line combinations and is he willing to maybe tinker a bit more with the third line or the second line to find Tyler Johnson a home? I, I don't know. Um, because you look at the success that the Gore Coleman Goodrow line has had and the chemistry that they do have, are you willing to break that up? I, I don't know if this is a situation where you can rob Peter to pay Paul try and get Tyler Johnson going. I think Tyler Johnson has to figure this out. Uh, if, if, if he's not comfortable at wing, I, you, I think you basically have to tell him, look, you, you got to play. I well, don't do have you anywhere else that? to put him. 
I mean, do you agree with, I mean, the wing, the, and I call it an experiment. I mean, I, I just, I feel like he's not making the impact that they want from him at the wing position. And maybe it's not fair to him in some ways because it's not his natural position. Uh, at the same time, he is a professional and you want him to, to perform, but I'm just not seeing the impact with this move to wing, regardless of who he's playing with him. Yeah. Well, and it, and it kind of goes back to what we just talked about with Matthew Joseph, being able to use your speed more at the center position. Right. And Tyler Johnson, the, the, the big difference between wing and center besides the faceoffs is the center is more free to skate, whereas wingers, it's a lot of starting and stopping. Uh, you know, Steven Stamkos would say that's an adjustment for a center to have to go out the wing. Some guys handle it better than others, um, you know, and, but some guys can handle it. Some guys don't handle it. So I don't know if that's what we're kind of witnessing uh, with Tyler right now. Um, but I mean, he's he's been in this league long enough. Uh, at, at some point, a lot of centers make the move to wing as their career goes on. Uh, and I don't know. I, I, I don't know if you can rob Peter to pay Paul. I think you have to try and find a way to make it work. Um, if, if that means, well, I don't know. I don't know what it means. It, you, you're not going to turn Sorelli's line into just a checking line. You well, know, where does you, you need him to be a, a uh, yeah, I, I think he has to stay there. Well, where does he go? I mean, look, I'm looking down the road here. Where, where does he go when Kucherov comes back? <laughs> because uh, boy, yeah. you'd, bump, you'd bump Stammer right down to the second line who had some chemistry there with Sorelli and Klorn. Again, this is a, a perfect world. I understand we don't live in that, but let's just throw hypotheticals out there. Are you going to tinker with the third line, assuming they're still intact? I mean, does Johnson go to the fourth line? I mean, I don't think we yeah. find a situation where Johnson's the odd man out, do we? No, 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 no. There's too much success there. There's too much um, success between Tyler Johnson and John Cooper that John Cooper is going to give him a lot of leeway. He's to not going to allow figure that. this out, right? Yeah, he's, he's not going to allow that. To and, and let's face it, too, it'd be an embarrassing situation for a player like Tyler Johnson. I mean, being moved to the fourth line would be enough of a message or enough of people to go, "Hey, what what's going on with Tyler Johnson?" Um, you know, if so that, that comes back. Is he? He? I don't. Is he in the top six? And I, no. No? No. So it's either not. you break up the third line or he's playing on the fourth line. He's he's probably playing on the fourth line. He probably, so is he probably it goes back bank? to center at fourth line. And you and, and so do you try and do you try that experiment now? I know you saw a lot from, from Matthew Joseph at the center position, and I liked it. I think the question becomes, are they intrigued enough by the potential to keep Joseph doing what he's doing? And who's more productive at the center position with that type of ice time, Johnson or Joseph? And I mean, you can even throw Stevens in that mix because he's going to get some looks at that position as well. Yeah, I guess I guess it depends too on how long Mitchell Stevens is going to be out. We still don't have that answer. Um, <laughs> you know, long term, even if that is a high ankle sprain, and if that's best case scenario for him, that's you're still talking six to eight weeks, and even then, you're not fully recovered from a high ankle sprain. Uh, and I know that from experiences, I've had one of those uh, in my younger days. Uh, they're not fun to come back from. Uh, Andre Pilat can sure. tell you that they're not fun to come back from. So I think at some point, uh, I, I don't think you need to experiment with it now. I, I think you're still trying to find an identity for that fourth line. I just wrote about that, you know, yesterday on the site about how a fourth line that had an identity last year was Cedric Paquette and Patrick Maroon, and then whoever else was on the right side, that line had an identity. Yeah. You're trying to find an identity now because Cedric Paquette is not there anymore. 
Mitchell Stevens was going to be the fourth line center. Now he's out for a long period of time. So now you're having to make over a line that was already having to be reconstructed, looking for a new angle on what kind of a line they want to be. I don't know if you're ready to tinker with two lines, right? And, and you've got to find a way to have some success here as a team as well. Um, you know, look, the coaches have a tough decision here to do with a very proud player, a player that has done a lot for this franchise. You just go back to that 2015 run of the Stanley cup final. If he doesn't break his, his thumb, he, he, there's a good chance he might win the con Smythe that year if they go on to beat Chicago in that series. So um, it, it's not an easy situation. It's, it can be hard for coaches to look at these situations and make some difficult decisions. And this has to be a hard decision for John Cooper, who has been Tyler Johnson's coach for pretty much his entire professional career. You know, going back to the days in Norfolk. So uh, tough situation for Tampa Bay, for the coaching staff to handle. And I don't know what the right answer is. They've got options. I think regardless, the Joseph Johnson dynamic playing together on a line intrigues me because you've got a lot of speed all of a sudden. And, you know, Pat Maroon's going to be anchored in that fourth line. I don't think there's going to be a move that's made there. I am intrigued with the speed element to the Joseph Johnson dynamic if those two guys end up playing together. So I agree with you that probably John Cooper's thinking is I got to keep Johnson in the top six. I want his confidence up as high as possible. But at some point, John Cooper can only do so much. Johnson's got to start filling the net. He starts filling the net, he's going to feel a lot better about himself. But uh, if that doesn't happen, then you have to start looking and saying, all right, how can we start generating more offense? Because I don't think it's a huge problem. Last goal Lightning scored was the first period in that Columbus game. Yeah, I, I'm not too concerned about that at this point. I mean, Morazic stole about four goals tonight. Uh, from them. Um, but I, I mean, I, I think the onus eventually has to fall. If, if the coaching staff is going to continue to put Tyler Johnson in positions for him to have success, he needs to have success. And it, at that point, it's on the player. You have to figure it out. You have to find ways. He's had enough time at wing to adjust to it. It's no longer new to him. Um, it's, it's, it's one thing to think that you are more of a center that that's fine that you think that, but you're not being asked to do that right now. Uh, and you have to find ways to make it work. I, I think that's just the bottom line for a player who is, uh, had the amount of success that he has had with this team, you know, for the past six, seven years, um, he needs to find, he needs to find the touch. And that's why I think that they put him out there to try and give him an opportunity to find some confidence. Unfortunately, it backfired and he ends up being on the ice for basically that entire overtime and never touched the puck. Yeah. Yeah. That was a tough overtime to watch. And I think it speaks to the puck possession in the overtime game sure. as well. And again, that kind of goes back to what we talked about in the open with Braden points starting the overtime or to your point, Steven Stamkos, I'd like to have one of those guys out there because I think, you know, if you're not winning the face off, you've got some responsibility defensively in the open ice and, uh, particularly point, he can make a big difference back there. Yeah, he can. Um, and, and, you know, those are your game breakers too. And a lot of times you want your game breakers in that situation. And look, they don't have Nikita Kucherov. He's usually one of the guys that's one of the first two shifts in overtime because of how creative and how dynamic he is. Um, you don't have him available and, um, you know, you, you, you kind of have to go with what you have. So um, interesting times here, just five games into the season. And, and this is this is incredible, Greg. This is this tells you how tight this season is going to be. The Columbus, Florida game went to a shootout tonight. That marked six consecutive games involving Central Division teams that went to overtime. 
It's Oprah hockey. Everybody's getting a point. <laughs> you get a point. You get a point. <laughs> and uh, you're right. And, you know, this, this dynamic with playing all these teams multiple times in your division uh, to get to come away with points makes it harder to separate. So that's why when you don't get any points in regulation, that's a big deal. And, you know, it would have been really interesting to see Carolina and Tampa Bay play on Tuesday and how this game would have unfolded. I mean, you have to keep in mind, too, Lenny hadn't played for about a week, and yep. Carolina was off for 10 days, and I thought this was a pretty intense game. I think yeah. this, is what the, this is what the league wants or what they envisioned when they went to this type of format. We just have to get these games uh, back on track. But, boy, we are really um, on – par or on schedule to have some really good competitive games coming up, assuming the schedule allows it. Yeah. And I think that this division, look, I mean, Chicago and Detroit or Chicago and Detroit, they're still They're going to be battling for seventh and eighth in this division, I think. Uh, but I think the rest of the division, uh, you know, you, you're looking at it. I mean, you know, Florida still hasn't lost in regulation. I don't know if only played four games because they've had four of their games delayed because of COVID situations, not involving them. Um, you know, but you know, here they are sitting with, with seven out of possible eight points. Um, every game is going to be tight. This would say you can't afford to go on a, on a bad five game stretch because then you're chasing the season. And we certainly know from this team in, uh, 16, 17, that, uh, you fall far too far behind. Doesn't matter how well you play at the end. If you don't set yourself out with the start. And you can't play catch up and it's difficult. And it's, it was just, it just boggles my mind that we've seen. And look, the, the Dallas Detroit game on Thursday ended that run as Dallas ran away from, from Detroit and, and, you know, their game that night, but six straight games against central involving central division teams, boy, it is going to be tight all year. And if, if the game we saw tonight between Tampa Bay and Carolina, there was a ton of speed in that game. A lot of good scoring chances. I mean, sure. you, you talk about how the NHL, okay, they need more scoring, they need more scoring. This was the example of a game. There was one goal scored. You can't tell me people who watch this game were not entertained. Speed up and down the ice, scoring chances up and down the ice. And not it wasn't shinny hockey, right? It wasn't loosey-goosey. It was tough to find some space out there. Uh, and then when they did, uh, the goaltenders were there to uh, cover up the mistakes that were made. I thought it was a fun game. And if we get more of that, even with, you know, between Tampa Bay and Florida, or between Tampa Bay and, and Dallas and uh, whoever else, Nashville, we'll see coming up this weekend. Uh, I, I think that this could be a very tight, more tight than I thought it was going to be at the beginning of the season and fun division. It, it was. And, you know, the talent that Carolina was missing in their lineup was also pretty, yep. pretty amazing considering the speed and the pace they play. We um we talked to Alec Campbell earlier in the week on Power Lunch, and he said that he felt like if this team plays to their potential, meaning the Hurricanes, they could be a Stanley Cup contender. Now yeah. he said they're they're not the most physical team, and they really didn't address that in the off season. And he likes obviously Tampa Bay to be the best team in that division, but if they're clicking on all, all cylinders and probably goaltending is going to make or break them. He really likes this team, and he thinks if they're healthy, they can do a lot of damage. And I think we saw that. Yep. Um, 
you know, in this game, the overtime game, they've got a lot of speed, a lot of skill to your point. And boy, goaltending makes all the difference, doesn't it? It does. Uh, you know, and Sveshnikov was all over the ice tonight for, for, for Carolina. I mean, he must've been denied three goals at least. Um, you know, we didn't even talk much. We didn't hear Sebastian Ajo's name mentioned much. It was, especially on the power play when he could have had three goals on that first power play opportunity Carolina had. Uh, he's a dynamic player. Uh, so they've got the offensive skill that maybe they didn't have before. Uh, and they got a great back end. I mean, Jacob Slavin was one of the guys that was out tonight because of the COVID protocols. Um, the biggest question with that Carolina team is their goaltending. Can it hold up? I don't know how much trust you can, you can have on a Peter Morazic to take you deep into a playoffs. I don't know how you can much trust James Reimer taking you deep into a playoffs either. Um, but it's, it's a good, fun, exciting team that uh, deserves a lot more attention than they're getting for sure. Every game is going to be competitive, especially when you start playing them back to back. We're going to see that coming up here against Nashville with this four game homestand, but uh, even games against Detroit, that second game when those back to backs occur should be pretty competitive and pretty passionate. So it's shaping up to be a very dynamic schedule. And I think who can avoid the long losing streaks E and pick up those points. Even when they lose, you're going to get into the playoffs and you're going to have to with the way the parody is right now. Don't be left out. Make sure you subscribe to the lightning insider on Apple podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere else where podcasts are found. Now here again is Eric. And here's the thing. Like we, we talked about this when I was on, with uh, you and Dave the other day about, um, you know, the rest of the league, like seriously, how much attention are you paying to the rest of the league right now? Not much. <laughs> I mean, Isn't that weird? You, you and I are kind of doing it because we have to, but yeah, I mean, I feel like when people are talking about Montreal to an extent, I'm kind of like, really what's going on there? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, it'd be, I mean, cause Elliot Friedman wrote this and this is why we, we brought it up, but you know, his point was, you know, he, he's not covering any U S based games because there's a Canadian game every single night. And this is something we had talked about back on our season preview podcast. I felt that this was going to be bad for the league from the perspective that everybody, especially in Canada is going to be so, uh, zeroed in on just the Canadian teams, they're not going to pay attention to the rest of the league. And that hurts the league as a whole. Um, and, and I think we're already starting to see that because uh, I couldn't tell you really what's going on out West other than the fact that Vegas had to have a game postponed against St. Louis because uh, of COVID situations. And they had yeah. to actually have to, their, their general manager was behind the bench for a game with their AHL staff. You know, I don't really know what's going on out West. I paid a little bit of attention to what's going on in the Canadian division. Um, but besides that, it's it's that's why I go back to to John Carlson's comment when he was asked about this format and this setup. He said, "No way, no way do I like this. I would never vote for this to be, you know, a long term situation." So uh, I think this will be a one off, um, and it'll, it'll be entertaining. Uh, but I don't think it's good for the league as a whole. Yeah, and you wonder what the effects of this will be, if any, when we talk about long term for the league, because. As you've pointed out, this Lee, this year was about kind of retaining that money that um, possibly could have been lost had they not played. And I think we're all very fortunate the league is back. Do you think there's any long-term effect in a negative way, E, the way the schedule is playing out and where the eyeballs are? I, I don't know. Maybe short-term there is. I mean, you and I do this for a living, and we're kind of like, well, what's going on hmm. out west? I mean, certainly that can have an effect. I'm curious. 
if there will be any type of long-term negative impact with how this schedule is playing out. Well, what's really interesting is, okay, you get all these Canadian teams. And then there was, they had Edmonton, Toronto on NBC um, last week. Uh, but you're getting a lot of U.S.-based teams. Maybe more U.S.-based teams are going to get on to NBC than we've seen in the past. You know, maybe Carolina will get more games uh, in a national spotlight. Uh, maybe that's the the positive that can kind of come out of it. But guess what's going away at the end of the year? NBC Sports Network. It is going away at the end of the year. They're going to shift a lot of the sports programming to USA Network. Now, having said that, the contract between the NHL and, the N- and NBC does run out at the end of this season. Uh, will be interesting to see how that all pans out from a television standpoint. Uh, but look, we we've already seen it. You know, Fox Sports Sun is already talking about how high their ratings have been. A lot of that is because people can't get into the building. That certainly does add to that uh, higher number for sure. Uh, but the ratings have been higher. NBC has been touting how much higher the ratings have been. Again, a little bit tainted because of the fact nobody can get into the buildings to watch these games uh, outside of a couple of markets. Um, but maybe that's the positive. You're getting more eyeballs on the games, and maybe that helps grow as well because we know with the other major sports, it's all about the television dollars. It is. And you know, certainly when you're doing this during a pandemic, you have to find creative ways to make it happen. And we've talked about the sponsorships on the helmets and um, you know, along the boards and and these are these are ways to retain money, make a little extra money. But um, I'm hoping, I'm hoping because the Dallas Stars experiences, I think for their opener, they had a few thousand fans in attendance and they talked about just how amazing it was, even if there was just, you know, three or 4,000 people in the arena. E, when this does happen eventually, and I know the Lightning and their organization, they've had conversations about when they want to do this. I wouldn't be surprised if after the Super Bowl, we kind of see maybe the fans start to make it into Amelie. I, I don't know for sure, but that would be my guess because you get through the Super Bowl, you see how things react when we start talking about you know testing and and positive uh covid results and um is there an outbreak from that standpoint i think if they get that under control you might see the green light for uh Emily arena to start holding some fans in the stands and i think when that does happen it's gonna feel so weird i i think for the players i mean originally i mean you want to talk about the jump and the boost that's going to provide them playing in front of their home crowd after winning a Stanley cup last year, where they couldn't celebrate it. Yeah. It's going to be a, a really a, a surreal moment. I would think for everybody. Yeah. I, I think it's going to be welcomed as well. Um, yeah. You know, because of the fact that Emily was going to host fans and then we saw it with the Raptors in town. Um, but, but I, I agree with you. I think once we get past that February 5th game, because the other thing is too, is the, once you get past the fifth and Super Bowl weekend, there's only one home game in two weeks, and that's on a Monday against Florida. I would, I'm not a betting man. I'd be surprised if there's no fans allowed for that game because that's the only game at home in a two week stretch. So you have times to, more time to prepare for it. And then you get the one game that you're hoping to have fans in the building if that's the case. And then you can kind of analyze it from there and see are you ready to make this situation? And I, and I think it's going to be, very welcome to have, even if it's 4,000 people in the building. I mean, I watched some of the Dallas game the other night and Dallas is one of the teams that does have fans in the building. You could hear them. You could sense them. You could see them. Um, And that meant a lot. And I have to think it means something to the players too, even if it's a much smaller number than they're used to. Yeah. And look, you know, players can feed off the energy of the crowd and guys who are struggling to find the rhythm, find that 
find that second gear. You know, we talked about Tyler Johnson, you know, having that crowd involved, screaming your name a little bit and just playing in front of people could give you a, a, another gear to get to. So I, I think the sooner it happens, the better. And, you know, certainly the league and all the teams are, are taking the appropriate steps to make sure everybody is safe. And I understand that. And, and you know, I don't disagree with that at all. So uh, I, I hope it happens sooner rather than later. And I think for a team like the Lightning, who has an exciting team and a lot of star power, I think adding some fans to the mix, you know, we could see some pretty, uh, pretty fun performances from them. Yep, and I think Tyler Johnson just, just needs to hear the crowd sing "Go Johnny Go" along yeah, with the "Girl is Gone." I mean, that just that's something that I think we kind of get him going. All right, before we uh, wrap things up here with a couple things I want to touch on, we got uh, two questions I want to get to too. Um, we can't ignore our great sponsor, Manscaped.com. Don't forget the twenty percent off code. Use Bolts when you check out any of their products. Of course, their signature product is the lawnmower. We talked the other day about the great marketing with the weed whacker uh, that can do, but they have more than just that. They have some great lotions. They have some great uh, cologne. They have some really good products. And if you use the keyword bolts, it's 20% off, Greg, 20% off. And you will not come away disappointed. I use it. It's something that, uh, as I've told you before, I've started to get my family to, to use it, my brother and uh, my dad. So we're kind of spreading it around and uh, listen, you want to have, you know, the appropriate uh, trim job and uh, the landscaping, making sure that's taken care of. Uh, Manscaped is the way to go. It's it's I endorse it fully and I, I, I wholly uh, I want you to go out there and purchase it as well. And, and I will stop short of saying it's fun for the whole family. <laughs> I will stop short of saying Come on, man. this is a family family. This is a, uh, this is a family show. What are we doing? Hey, you can interpret that any time, any way you want to. I'm just telling sick you man. that I'm a sick it's man. such a great product that, you know, I'm going to stop short there. Keyword bolts at checkout. Go to manscaped.com and enter in the keyword bolts and you'll get 20% off anything you order. They got the great starter pack that has uh, the lawnmower in it. It also has a t-shirt and a travel bag. Uh, it's, it's great stuff. So check it out again, manscaped.com. All right. Um, two things I want to get to. The first one is I've had so many people ask me about this Jamel Smith situation because it seemed like he was the guy that you would think would go in right to the fourth line uh, with Mitchell Stevens out. So many questions about the cap situation and why he wasn't brought up from the taxi squad. So the lightning, how are, we know they're against their cap and they're tight against the cap. If you bring up a Jamel Smith and add him to the roster before you can put Mitchell Stevens on long-term injury, assuming that's where he's going, you're going to take a cap hit. If you still have 12 healthy forwards and they still have 12 healthy forwards. So that's why they're limited in some of the transactions and moves that they can do right now. Um, because if you use an emergency recall situation, in other words, if you don't have enough uh, cap space to bring up a player, but you don't have enough players to field the lineup. Well, you can bring up a player in an emergency situation in that case. And then there are salary cap exemptions. So that's why that's the big reason why Jamel Smith was not brought up to be a part of the active roster. And he remains on the taxi squad is because of that. Um, there's again, the salary cap. And I, I think I told Bob on Twitter today, you have to remember the taxi squad is not active roster. You have to view them as an extension of Syracuse. 
So any waiver situation, which would include uh, Matthew Joseph and Alex Volkov, all those players are still um, are no longer waiver exempt. They would have to go through waivers to be assigned to the taxi squad. The Lightning aren't going to do that. Um, so that that's another reason why, too. So uh, I hope that clears up. It's a very confusing and very uh, um, convoluted way to try and figure all the salary cap stuff out. I hope that's enough of an explanation. I mean, and do you get the sense, too, the guys on the taxi squad, very slim chancy that they're going to be playing at Syracuse this year? In other words, is there a real possibility that Jamel Smith plays a handful of games this year and that's it? It's possible. But I do know that John Cooper said they don't want that to be the case. Yeah. So uh, Syracuse is just getting ready to start their season. They've been in training camp since last Monday. They're, I think they got a preseason game or two coming up uh, this week, I think, against Utica. Um, but they're scheduled to start their season on February the 5th. So that's when it's going to get interesting. How do they deal with it then? Because you don't want like what you can't have Jamel Smith just practice with you or uh, Andreas Borgman, who's also on the taxi squad as a defenseman. You can't have them just practice with you for three or four months. All of a sudden you have to call on them to play minutes and they haven't played a game in a year and a half. You, you can't, that's not fair to the players. So uh, I would imagine if we get to that situation that you'll see some uh, call-ups and everything else uh, just to have some extra bodies around and then to be able to get some of those guys some playing time. So I can't see that being the case all year. Yeah, and look, Jamel Smith is a guy who we saw a little bit last year, and during his time, we came away very impressed. I know Brian Engblom speaks uh, very highly of him, e, yep. and you've got to think, too, you know, if you're looking for a boost, if you're looking for some energy, like we saw with Carolina the other day uh, with some of their new guys in the lineup, that can give you a little bit of a boost. And, you know, you've got to think when Jamel Smith gets an opportunity to get in that lineup, he's going to want to do everything to stay there and not come out. Yep. Yep. Uh, and it, you know, he's hungry to play. He wants to prove himself. He wants to be an NHL player. Uh, he doesn't want to just be an NHL practice player. He wants to be an NHL player. So, um, hopefully that's the case. Uh, all right. A couple of questions here. Uh, the first one comes uh, from Nancy, uh, thoughts on how well Carter Verhage is doing with the Florida Panthers. He is off to an excellent start. He's getting top line minutes. He's playing with Sasha Barkov. He's got three goals so far through four games. Uh, you know, I said it when the moment he signed with the Florida Panthers, it just had that Jonathan Marshall show 2.0 vibe. Uh, and so far in the early going, I haven't watched a ton of Florida games. I watched a little bit of the game against Columbus the other night. Um, but just based on who he's playing with kind of tells you what they think of Carter Verhage. Always had the offensive ability, you know, skating was always maybe a little bit of a question, maybe answered that a bit last year, but oh, this yeah. is a, a typical case where he's getting an opportunity to play with elite talent and he's making the most of it. You know, it's interesting. We talk about guys and kind of related to the Tampa Bay lightning. Alex Volkov comes to mind from the standpoint that he's probably more of a top six guy skill set wisey, but he's getting an opportunity to play at the NHL level with this team on the fourth line. And the question becomes, can guys like that adapt and produce? I still think it's a work in progress for Volkov. I think for Hagee did enough last year to show that he had some skill to play with high-end guys. And now he's getting an opportunity with the Panthers. It didn't start out that way. I know they had him bouncing around a little bit in scrimmages and at practice to see who he'd be playing with. But you play with some of the guys he's playing with now in Florida, uh, along with Patrick Hornquist, who's off to a really good start there. Um, you can see why he's he's putting up the numbers. Yeah, look, he he proved his speed. I thought in training camp and summer training camp last year, like he was he looked as fast as Braden Point, and that's not easy to do. 
so I, I think he really showed himself. I think he showcased that in the playoffs. Um, and you know, it was a same, it was a very similar situation with Marsha show. It's not just because of the, the, the skill and the, the team that he signed with, you know, Jonathan Marsha show didn't sign here because he wasn't going to get an opportunity probably in a top nine. And he's a top nine guy for sure at the NHL. He's proven that he went down and scored 30 goals and Verhage was in the same situation. The team didn't want to let Carter Verhage go. They invested a lot of time to, uh, get Carter Verhage to be an NHL caliber player. They worked with him for two years before he made the jump to the NHL. Um, but he wasn't going to get a top six role here. He's got top six skill. We saw that last year. Um, and that's why he, when they chose not to qualify him for salary cap purposes, because he did have arbitration rights. That's why he went to Florida. It's not that hard to see. They had, they had some openings there uh, with some of the guys that left, uh, especially Dadnoff. Um, and, and, and Mike Hoffman weren't coming back. Uh, he saw an opportunity to crack a lineup and he's taken advantage, full advantage of it and high marks to Carter Verhage, uh, for yeah. doing that. He, he is, he's worked his way to get here and he's getting rewarded for it. It's like, it's what you like to see, not only in sports, but in life when you get that opportunity, cause you don't get many, but when you do, you do something with it. And for him, boy, it comes at a really good time in his career. But Florida is also looking at that and saying that was a great move by us. And you can't keep keep everybody if you're the Tampa Bay Lightning. You understand that. And this is part of the salary cap world that we live in. But uh, that's one of those feel-good stories. And and you're happy for a guy like Carter Verhage as well. Yep. All right. And the other question we have is from our friend Prezemic. Um, sort of touching on what we talked about at the top. But uh, Matthew Joseph played well at center. Uh, still would like to try Johnson, a fourth-line center. Joseph played even better on Sorelli's line. I think with Tyler in his natural position, we could have possibly four scoring lines. It's an interesting thought. Um, I, I, I can see the logic there. I can see the thought process there. Uh, right now, though, I don't think that's John Cooper's thought process. No, it's not. I think you brought up a good point. He feels like the way to get him going offensively is to be in a top six role. I don't know how many games you give him till you make a move, but let's put it this way. The games he's been in right now, he hasn't made the impact I thought he was going to make. Now, if you want to give him another 10, 15 games, that's fine. Whatever number John Cooper has in mind, I'm okay with it. But up to this point, it's pretty clear it's not working because if it was, he probably doesn't start him in the OT period to get him going, which is what your point was. So uh, Tyler Johnson, I think, still trying to figure out where he fits in when it comes to this team. And if it's going to be at the wing... He needs to figure it out sooner rather than later. And he knows that. And I think he understands that. Yep. He's a professional. He's been around the block a few times. He he knows what he has to do. He just has to go out and do it. He said it, it's it's crazy to think a player who's had the success that he's had in this league, a guy who qualified for an all-star game, a guy who's now a Stanley Cup champion, uh, loses her confidence. He's lost his confidence. And I he just has to find a way uh, to kind of get it get it back because he can be and he needs to be an important player for this team. All right, the, uh, the Lightning are going to open up a four-game homestand. Uh, they've only been home for two so far because the other two were postponed against Dallas, so they will face Nashville on Saturday. That is a 7 p.m. start, and then the wonderful block scheduling. Nashville is here on Monday as well, 7 o'clock start. Very interesting that Wednesday, February the 3rd, is a 5.30 start. Make sure you make, make note of that, Greg. Don't be late to the rink that day. It's a 5.30 puck for drop. Uh, for that, it's going to be one of those unusual times midweek uh, for such an early start. It's great for those of us that uh, usually stay up late. I don't have to stay up quite 
as late on that day. And then they'll conclude that uh, that series with Detroit uh, on the 5th. That's a 7 o'clock game. And then they go on the road. And we're not going to see them much because they will play, because of the scheduling maneuvering that has had them done, uh, they're going to go on the road for two, four, six, seven out of eight games, uh, including um, they'll start, they'll play three games in a row against Florida. That includes the one game home here uh, on the 15th. And they're going to face Carolina three straight games, once in Carolina on the 22nd and then back to back home the 24th and 25th. Interesting schedule coming up. Should be a lot of fun. We should start to learn a little bit more about this team here in the next few weeks. Yeah. And, you know, I think the goaltending situation will be fun to watch how they approach that with so many games coming up now on the schedule. And I, I think to your point, the fourth line, do they continue with Matthew Joseph at the center position and, and building some chemistry there? And uh, what are you going to see from Tyler Johnson with these opportunities playing in a top six role? Yep. A lot to look forward to, which means, Greg, the next time we talk, we'll have a lot more to discuss. As always, my friend, thank you for uh, joining me here and uh, some great hockey talk. Hashtag great hockey talk, if you will. Uh, we'll catch up again. Uh, well, I'll see you at the rink on Saturday and uh, for the next few games, uh, which will be, be nice to see in person again. I look forward to it, buddy. should be fun. All right, uh, that's going to wrap up this episode of the lightninginsider.com podcast. Don't forget about the special discount at manscaped.com. Use the keyword bolts for 20% off. Uh, don't forget, too, if you want a signed copy of my book called Lightning Strikes, it's about the 2020 Stanley Cup championship run, uh, email me, eric at lightninginsider.com. That's E-R-I-K at lightninginsider.com, and I'll give you details on how we can get one of those books in your hand, personalized and signed by yours truly. Uh, all right, don't forget to rate, subscribe, and check out this podcast wherever you get it. Share it with your friends. Let them know it's here. We'll catch you the next time, after, uh, probably after the second Nashville game. We'll check in again. Until then, see ya. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.